You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. Happy Father's Day to all the guys. Before we jump into God's Word, I just want to share something just real quick. You know, uh, Father's Day is a wonderful day to celebrate the guys in our life, um, but I also understand that uh, not everyone has a father in their life, and for a number of reasons. And for some, you know, you had uh, one person that served as mother and father. And for a lot of you single moms, man, what a he- heroes you are. You've served both of these roles. And uh, for some of you, uh, like myself, Father's Day is a difficult day because you lost your father. Or maybe your father walked out on your family at a young age. Or the, 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 the thought of Father's Day brings a lot of pain up. And this isn't a day that you celebrate and get joyous about, but it's a day that you struggle through. And I just want you to know that you're among like-minded people. We are here as hurting, broken people. And we want you to know that, that uh, I know this is a difficult day, but God is with us, and I don't say that in a cliche way, like just get over it. I'm, I'm saying that God meets us in our pain. He meets us in our sorrow. He meets us in our struggle, and he's here to walk through it with us, walk through the valleys with us. Thank you so much for being here, and we have a, an exciting day. As you heard earlier, got food trucks and axe throwing and uh, uh, balls of pop for everyone. And just to mention real quick, the axe throwing, when you came in, you should have gotten a ticket. That ticket is for axe throwing, so if you take that ticket out, you can get axe throwing. Uh, you don't have to pay. If you want to keep going, it's $5 each time after that, uh, which benefits our Calvary Cares campaign, our missions program here, and uh, you, can, you can stay here till you know, as long as you want. Keep throwing axe, axes and get all that frustration out, whatever it might be. Um, it's a healthy, productive way, right? You know, on this Father's Day, there are certain things that uh, fathers have become known for, or maybe a better way of saying it, become infamous for. We heard earlier, of course, dad jokes. Uh, I won't go too much into that because those are all the rage and we talk enough about that, but uh, dad jokes. And, and you always have the uh, loved, beloved dad dinners. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Um, those dinners where it's a, a main dish of Easy Mac with a side of Pop-Tarts. Uh, you cannot beat a dad dinner. Um, one thing I'll never forget as a child uh, were the moments when I got a warning from my mom. And the warning would usually go something like this. Maybe you've heard this before. Okay, you, you better listen or stop disobeying uh, or, or you're going to have to wait until your father gets home. And uh, when I usually heard those words, just to be honest, that usually did the job, you know, straighten me up. Uh, that, that one phrase almost always instill fear into my little head. And it's not because my dad was abusive or reckless, but because I knew there, were, there would be clear, precise consequences for my actions in that moment. Now, this past Sunday, if you were with us last Sunday, and, and, and continuing today, uh, we, this whole month we're looking at the book of Revelation. Uh, the book of Revelation, if you're not familiar, is the last, very last book in the Bible. And the book of Revelation talks about the future, talks about what is yet to come, what the end is going to look like. And last Sunday and this Sunday, we're kind of in uh, the more difficult portion of it. Uh, we're, we're focusing specifically these two weeks on the 21 different judgments that God pours out during this period that becomes known as the Great Tribulation. Uh, this time, Pastor, if you were with us last week, Pastor Lance shared last week that this time can easily be mistaken as God recklessly unleashing his anger. 
But, but that's not the case. He's not just recklessly unleashing his anger. In fact, the, 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 the very truth that God has given the advance warning that, that he has in the book of Revelation uh, is, is like this warning from your mom. Straighten up or you'll have to deal with your father when he gets home. It's this chance to make things right. Now, let me bring you up to speed with where we are on this timeline of the end times and re- revelation. Uh, we've come through this period already uh, known as the rapture where Jesus raptures his church, takes his church uh, with back to, to heaven with him. The Antichrist is now reigning on the earth and we are moving into a period where the wrath and judgment of God is poured out on this earth like never before. And Jesus actually talks about this time uh, with his disciples as, uh, right in the week leading up to his crucifixion. He was in Jerusalem and he says to them as they're walking past the temple courts that there was going to come a day where one stone wouldn't be sitting on another. And, and this is a catastrophic prediction by Jesus and it shook the disciples because for them, if the temple is not standing and it must be the end, it's so bad and so difficult, it must be the end. And, and Jesus then takes them to the Mount of Olives overlooking Jerusalem and he, he says these words recorded in Mark's Gospel, chapter 13, verse 19. He says, for in those days there will be such tribulation as has not been from the beginning of the creation that God created until now never will be. And if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being would be saved for for the sake of the elect whom he chose. He shortened the days. This time is often referred to not as simply the tribulation, but the great tribulation. It would be that bad. And these judgments come in three phases. And Pastor Lance hit the first two phases last week. You have the seven seal judgments. And seals meaning uh, like a seal that's put on a document. And you know that document hasn't been opened when that seal hasn't been uh, opened at all or or hasn't been touched. And uh, he has the seal judgments. Pastor Lance talked about this last week. And then you have the seven trumpet judgments where an angel literally blows a trumpet before each judgment. And Pastor Lance talked about those. And where we're picking up is in Revelation chapter 16, we get to the seven bull judgments. Now, bulls sound really weird, but if you read through the Old Testament, which is the first part of the Bible, the bull judgments really are these judgments that are poured out, meaning uh, uh, the Bible uses this analogy like it's a liquid almost, that God's wrath is poured out in a bull judgment. Now, when we look at these events, uh, this is catastrophic beyond what we could comprehend. But as believers, we don't need to be afraid of this time. We should be aware of it, but it's not something we have to be afraid of or fearful of. Uh, An awareness of this time creates a couple of really important responses on our part as followers of Jesus. We shy away from Revelation sometimes because it's confusing or it's scary, but when we're following Jesus, it's not scary because here's the responses it it, it produces. It, It causes us to say first, I want to be ready for the rapture when Jesus comes. I want to make sure I'm right with God. That's a good response. It also caused me to want to share what God has done in my life with those around me, to share the gospel. Like, I don't want this to be me being right with God, but I want the world to be right with God. And when you come to the book of Revelation, it's important to remember the type of literature. A couple weeks ago, we kind of touched on this, but the type of literature that's contained in this book. Uh, You know, throughout the Bible, there's a lot of different types of literature. There's poetry. Uh, there, there are poems and there are songs and there are narratives, there are stories. And, and when we get to Revelation, uh, this ty- the type of literature uh, in Revelation is called apocalyptic literature. Uh, and you know, there's apocalyptic liter- literature in Daniel, in the book of Daniel, which is in the Old Testament, in the book of Ezekiel, and also in Revelation. And, and let me give you an example of what that means. When you open a newspaper, you know, on the front page, 
of the newspaper, there are just stories, you know, basically just facts, things that are shared that are happening or have happened. Maybe you've turned a little bit further into the newspaper and there's something called editorials. This is where someone's sharing their opinion about something. Maybe you get to the back of the newspaper, my favorite part of the newspaper, the comics. How many of you like comics? You like the comics? Yeah, there we go. We've got some comics fans. Um, that was the only part of the newspaper I usually read. My dad would read this sports section. I would read the comics. Um, if, you read, if you read the comics like you read the front page, you're going to be really like, confused, right? Or if you read the editorials like you do the comics, you're, you're going to be in a bad place, right? Uh, you, you do well not to read each section the way you do the other. This is because you process what you're reading differently depending on the type of literature you're reading. And this is important to understand when you walk into Revelation. So when you get to apocalyptic literature, it's different. It has a lot of imagery and symbolism. Some of it is very straightforward and we understand it, while others of it uh, can be really mysterious. And, and, and when we come to something that is a mystery, we, we shouldn't go beyond what is written. We accept the mystery of it. Uh, and, and just because some things are clear doesn't mean everything is clear. And, and also, just because some things are a mystery doesn't mean everything is a mystery. We rest in the mystery of what is written while shying away from, uh, what is, without shying away from what is clear. Now, when we look at the Great Tribulation, we have a tendency to look at it from our American Western mindset. Um, you might not realize this, but we have a very different mindset than other people around the world. We think of things in an orderly fashion. Whether you're organized or not, this is kind of how we are wired in American Western culture. We think linear, meaning one thing happens another and then another and another. There's a progression to it. And we can sometimes view the tribulation from a linear perspective. Like we have the seven seal judgments, and then we have the seven trumpet judgments, then we have the seven bowl judgments, and one happens right after another. That's a very Western mindset. This wasn't written in America. I don't know if you know that. Uh, the Bible wasn't written in America. Um, it's translated into English, but it was written in a different culture. In fact, this was written in a Middle Eastern culture. In Middle Eastern culture, they have more of a circular mindset. Uh, what does a circular mindset mean? It means that uh, stand where you are, it's going to come back. Like, uh, we missed 5 o'clock today. Don't worry, 5 o'clock's coming back around tomorrow. It's more of a circular mindset. And, and this book, uh, the book of Revelation, in this time period was written from that point, point of view. Uh, and, and everything comes full circle. And when you think about the judgments, John, the Apostle John is writing the book of Revelation. He's writing what he's viewing, what he's experiencing, what he's seeing play out. And think of it more of a telescoping, like all of these judgments, all of this terror and pain and difficulty is kind of uh, permeating out. It's, it's expanding out. And all that to say, as you read Revelation, uh, it's not all this and then that, like one thing after another. There's a circular view of things. And as Pastor Lance covered uh, the unthinkable devastation that was unleashed on the earth through the seven seals and the seven trumpets, today we're going to pick up with the final season of judgment during this period known as the Great Tribulation with the seven bulls. Now, before we dive into these seven bulls, the question can be asked, why in the world does the Bible tell us this? Like, shouldn't the Bible tell us all the good, happy things? Like, shouldn't it be like... Uh, um, Oh, Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory, where everything's just sweet and nice and great and awesome. And anytime I open, no matter where I open the Bible, it's just like, I feel so much better about myself. Why, why does the Bible contain this? Uh, first of all, I think it's because we're curious. We want to know. Uh, God made us this way. We're curious. We want to know what the future is going to look like. Uh, and, and God would hope that if the world is headed toward judgment like this, 
we would have an opportunity to make things right, to give us a chance to make things right. John the Baptist and Jesus both warned to escape the coming judgment. And God, in his incredible compassion, he provides this book to give us a warning of what is yet to come, to allow us to prepare and to make, make things right to be ready. He, he gives every single person on this earth a chance to know what is coming, to be warned, to make things right. None of us, uh, none of this is meant to be a surprise. The Apostle Peter writes in, in 2 Peter 3 this, scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? Forever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. What's, what's Paul, Peter writing? He's saying, this is God's plan. Like, God's unfolding his plan. None of this is a surprise. And verse 5 says, For they deliberately over, overlooked this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God, and, by, and that by means of those, these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perish. He's speaking of Noah's day when the, the great flood happened. Verse 7, But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. What, what Peter is writing is a warning that holds true for us today. What is written in Revelation is not some mythical story to capture our interest, to keep, get our attention. It's the engine light flashing on the dashboard of our world telling us what's around the corner. If you ever have a flashing light on your dashboard... Hopefully you've learned this already, but you don't just like push the gas harder and keep pushing through and hope it just turns out. You know, make, when you see the flashing uh, warning light on your dashboard, you're like, I need to get my car checked out. Not how long can I outlast the light bulb behind that dashboard. Um, your engine might go before that light bulb goes. It's a warning to make things right, to, to change things, to fix things. And the good news is we don't have to experience any of this. Those around us don't have to experience it. Jesus is the way to escape coming devastation. And that brings us to the seven bulls, this final blow of the great tribulation. We're going to kind of fly through these uh, in, in quick order. Revelation chapter 16, verse 1. It says, Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go pour out the seven bowls of God's wrath on the earth. The first angel went and poured out his bowl on the land and ugly Festering sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. What's, what's happening here? Uh, what's happening is a disease uh, strikes, it's re- released across the earth that, that affects all of those who had the mark of the beast. They have these horrible sores. It's a, it's a pandemic on another level that's unleashed, that takes place. Then we get to the second bowl. The second angel, verse 3, poured out his bowl in the sea and it turned into blood like that of a dead person. Every living thing in the sea died. Think about the devastation of this. That seafood, you know, I don't know if you like seafood or not, but seafood eliminated. Everything in the seas, in the oceans, is, is, is dead. The seas turn to blood. You might think, well, at least we still have drinking water because that's salt water. Then you get to the third bowl. Third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. Think about the ramifications of this. Drinking water. For the entire earth, there's a lack of drinking water now. I mean, you think about uh, what, what that means for our earth, for our world, for, for functioning as human beings. You know, uh, the question we ask, well, like, why would God do this? And we can't fully dive into that today, but, but, but I love the response. A few ver- uh, next verse, the, one of the, the angels the angels who know God the best. Uh, 
They, they love him. They, they watched him, everything unfold. Here's what one of the angels says in verse 5. It says, then I heard the angel in charge of the waters. I, I'll pause here for a second. Isn't this awesome that there are angels in charge of the waters? Like God cares about every little aspect of our world so much so that he has people charged over every little aspect. So the angel uh, in charge of the waters says this, you are just in these judgments, O holy one, you who are and who were. Seeing, knowing God from beginning to end, knowing God in all of eternity, you are just. In verse eight, the fourth angel poured out his bowl in the sun and the sun was allowed to scorch people with fire. They were seared by the intense heat and they cursed the name of God who had control over these plagues, but they refused to repent and glorify him. Now, I don't know where you stand on global warming, but we see here it's not just the atmosphere that's changing. The sun is burning hotter. When, when this happens, when the sun starts to burn hotter, you know what happens? Uh, crazy things happen on earth. You could imagine the ice caps start to melt. If the ice caps melt, the, the seas, the oceans rise some 200 feet. What happens if the seas rise 200 feet? The major cities of the world are gone. New York City, LA, Amsterdam, you name them. They're gone. They're underwater. Think about the devastation this would bring. And we get to the fifth one, verse 10. The fifth angel poured out his bowl in the throne of the beast and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues in agony and cursed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores. They refused to repent of what they had done. Still refusing. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates and its waters were dried up, up to prepare the way for the kings of the east. Then I saw three impure spirits that looked like frogs. They came out of the mouth of the dragon, that's speaking of Satan himself, out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. They were demonic spirits that performed signs and they go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them for the battle on the great day of God Almighty. What this battle is talking about is the battle of Armageddon, which is literally uh, takes place in the valley of Megiddo, which is in the Middle East near Israel. And, and this is where the armies of the earth will war with the armies of God. Uh, they're preparing for this major battle. And what, what's unleashed here is not just physical devastation, but spiritual devastation, like the world has never known before. In verse 17, we have to come to the seventh bowl. Seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and out of the temple came a loud voice from the throne saying, it is done. Then there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a severe earthquake. No earthquake like it has ever occurred since mankind has been on earth. So tremendous was the, cake, the, the quake. Well, how, how incredible is this? Verse 20, it says, every island fled away, and the mountains could not be found. So what's taking place? Mountains are gone. The oceans are gone. The plates of the earth's crust are literally moving. They're moving. The valleys are lifted. The mountains are flattened. Some theologians believe that, that the earth is returning to its pre-flood stage. What, what some have referred to as Pangea, where you have literally one supercontinent. Things are returning back. Uh, what I love about this, this is devastating. I understand what we're talking about. But if you read from Genesis to Revelation... There's a thread that's woven through every book of the Bible. You might not realize this. You might be like, well, Genesis has nothing to do with Matthew, and Matthew has nothing to do with Ezekiel, and Ezekiel has nothing to do with First and Second Corinthians, but, but there's a thread that's woven throughout Scripture. And what's that thread? It's a thread of redemption. God is working everything to the redemption of mankind. We're going to talk about this next week when we get talking about heaven and what that looks like, but, but everything God is doing 
is to return, to redeem. I don't know if you like to restore things, take old piece of furniture and make it look new again. God is not just taking something old and making it new again. He's making it literally new. Just as he does for us, that we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. He's making his creation new. He's redeeming it. And that's what's taking place, what's unfolding here. Uh, but there's still one mountain that remains. One mountain still remains. It's Mount Zion. What is happening is the preparation for the King of Kings. And as Jesus would touch down on the Mount of Olives when he returns, uh, it splits in two, thus reconfiguring again. And that leads us to the culmination of all of human history. From the moment Adam and Eve would breathe their first to this moment, all of human history, all of scripture is building toward this one moment. The moment is Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, would return to this earth. And you might ask, well, what's that gonna be like? Well, if you come back next week, we're gonna talk more about that. But 2 Peter, to kind of wrap up here this morning, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 14, the worship team can come. It says this, So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Peter here is saying, listen, guys, I'm trying to warn you. This stuff is coming, but you have a chance to make a choice. I don't know if you like this, but I, I hate it when I'm surprised by something horrible. I, I don't know if you like that. Like, I don't know if you really get excited when you go to turn your car on in the morning to get to work and your battery's dead, and you're like, yes, I love that. Or, 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 or that moment where you're like running late to work and, and you're going through an intersection and someone T-bones you, and you're like, oh, man, this is the way to start my day. I'm so excited. It's going to be the best. Or, or the moment when you wake up and you're trying to get your hair fixed and for whatever reason it's decided to go in 10 different directions and it's just not working for you today and you have a big presentation and your boss is going to be there and you have an opportunity you know, to, to, to get a promotion and everything's going wrong and you're like, I love it. Didn't see this coming. This is the best day ever. What Peter's writing here in 2 Peter 3 is this. You don't have to be surprised. This isn't something that should shock you. This isn't something you should be caught off guard from. Listen, God in his word has given us this warning. How's it gonna play out? We don't fully know. Like, uh, as I mentioned earlier, it's apocalyptic, so there's a lot of symbolism and imagery. What we do know is it's gonna be bad. It's gonna be bad. Not because God is reckless, but because God is just. And we have the opportunity, we have the opportunity to, to make things right. As, as Peter writes, that we can be found spotless, blameless, at peace with him. And it says, bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. What does that even mean? The Lord's patience means salvation. It means an opportunity to respond in advance to what is coming. God is patient. He's holding back. Last week, Pastor Lance talked about the end of restraint. Like God has been restraining. He's restraining himself and his justice so that one more person could say, you know what, I want to make things right with God. This advanced knowledge, I believe strongly, is aimed at spurring us to better fulfill the great commandment. What's the great commandment? Jesus shares it in Matthew chapter 22. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. What's he saying? He said, first of all, greatest thing you can do in life, love God with everything you've got, all of your being. Love God. Does that mean that you're a super religious person? No, that's not what God's talking about. He's saying that the very nature of your being, that you love God, that you're passionate about him, to do what he wants, what he's put you on this earth for. And the second, that's the first, he said that this is the first and greatest commandment. And Jesus said, and this second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. These are the two greatest commandments. Love, your, love God with everything you've got and love your neighbor as you love yourself. 
And, and as we wrap up this morning, this brings me to two questions that I, I think are important for us to process in light of the crazy devastation that we see take place in the tribulation. Here's the questions. Number one, how are you in God? How are you and God doing? I'm not asking if you're a Bible thumper, if you're a theologian, if you've got this all figured out. No, I'm not asking that. I'm saying straightforward, how are you and God doing? How are you and God? See, this is your chance to make things right. I've sat with folks on their deathbed and had this conversation. Why wait until then? Let's make things right now and enjoy the blessings of a life that's surrendered to Christ. Why wait until the end? Number one, how are you and God? Number two, how is God moving in the lives of those around you? It's one thing to take what is described in Revelation and make things right with God personally. It's another thing to see the responsibility of helping those around you be right with God. You can't save anyone. I can't save anyone. But you can be ready to share the hope that you have. Peter would write in 1 Peter 3.15, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you, to give the reason for the hope that you have. As I mentioned earlier, we don't have to fear or be afraid of what is to come because we live with hope. It is important for us to be willing to share the reason for our hope with those around us. We have this responsibility, not just to make things right with God, but to share of the hope that we have. Maybe you're here today, maybe you're watching online, and you hear all this stuff, and you're like, oh, this church mumbo-jumbo, I don't want to care about any of that stuff. Can I tell you, this isn't mumbo-jumbo, this is like real stuff. Like, one day this is going to unfold. And we have the opportunity to be right with God today. And and it's not just something like scare tactic, like to, hey, if you don't do this, this is what's going to happen. No, this is a warning. It's an opportunity because God believes in you. God loves you so very much. And he brought you here today. And he maybe brought you online to watch today. So you, you have this opportunity. This is your chance. Kind of come to a crossroads. You come to a crossroads in your life where you could say, okay, I can go this way, try to figure things out on my own, or I can follow God's way, the way of Jesus, what that looks like. How can I live for him, fulfill the purpose that he placed within me the moment I was formed in my mother's womb? I can experience the forgiveness of my past and all the mistakes I've made. I can go my way. I can go the way of Jesus. We have this chance. How are you and God today? And this morning, I want to pray. As we pray in a minute, maybe, maybe you're here and you say, you know, Nick, I, I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm doing well with God. You know, maybe I walked into church and that was a big step for me. Maybe, maybe for you, you're watching online, that was a big step for you. And you'd say, I'm not really doing well with God. Well, why not start today? There's no time like the present. Why wait? And in a minute, I'm gonna pray. And as we pray, I want you to ask God, God, what can I do to make things right with you? Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Lord, I thank you for this day and I thank you for what you're doing. Holy Spirit, you are moving, I believe, in this place. God, that you have each of us here on purpose. Lord, there's no accidents. Lord, the the building didn't burn down, the place didn't cave in, Lord, just because certain people walked through these doors, but God, you had a plan because you love us, Lord. God, I believe today that you have brought prodigals back home. God, I believe today that you are bringing men and women into this place that don't know you, Lord, that we could be made right, that we could step into our God-given purpose. God, I pray your Holy Spirit would move in people's hearts today. 
As we continue to pray this morning, if you're here and you say, Nick, I've never taken a step to be right with God. That sounds really complicated and super difficult, but I want to tell you it's not. It's simply coming to God and saying, God, I need your help. I need your forgiveness for my past. I, I want to live for your purpose. I want to commit to doing that. If that's you this morning, you'd say, I want to start that journey of following Jesus. In a minute, I'm going to count to three. I'm just going to ask you to reach your hand toward heaven as a physical act of your will to say, you know what? Between me and God, I want to make that step. I want to, I want to do that. Start this journey. That doesn't mean everything's going to magically disappear and everything's going to be awesome. It means you're going to take one step and then next day you take another step. If that's you this morning, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to reach your hand toward heaven. One, two, three. Amen, amen, amen. Anyone else this morning? Amen, amen. You can put your hands down today. And I'm asking everyone to pray this prayer with me. Whether you raised your hand or not, and you might be like, well, it's prayer anyway. It's just a conversation with God. And I want to lead you in that conversation with God. That you say to God today, I want to make things right. Would you all pray this prayer with me together? Dear God, thank you for loving me as I am. Thank you for not giving up on me. Thank you for believing in me. Today I accept your forgiveness. I commit to live for your purposes. Give me the strength and the courage to follow you all the days of my life and to show your love to the world around me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, whether you raised your hand or not, I want to encourage you. This is the first step in an amazing journey. Don't let it be your last. You can stop by the Connection Center. They have a, uh, some resources they can give you. Or if you're like, I don't want to talk to anyone, that's cool. If you go on uh, your phone to connect.calvaryirwin.com, just click, I committed my life to Jesus. We can get you some resources and help you continue that journey because we don't want this to be the last step. Last thing before we close this morning, can you stand with me? We're going to pray. You know, a message like this can be really heavy. And we can be like, oh, I'm so depressed. I don't want you to be depressed because here's the deal. Each and every one of you possess the greatest hope our world has ever known. I don't know what this last year has been like for you as the pandemic kind of starts to wind down and, and we're able to gather. Man, I can't tell you how special it is to get to gather like this and we feel safe and we're okay. And A year ago, you know a year ago, I'm standing on the same platform talking to a camera. And, and, and we start to see these things and you get excited. You're like, oh, we can go to like sporting events again and we can have people over our house and we can gather and we can do all these things and, and there's like this hope that's rising up in you. That was exciting. Can I tell you, the hope that we hold to as followers of Jesus is 10 times, 1,000 times greater. We possess the hope of the world. Don't hold it to yourself. Don't keep it to yourself. It's not meant to be held on to. It's meant to be given away. And what I want to do before we go, I want to pray for you. I want to pray that God would put people in your life, he probably already has, but people in your path that you can share, as Peter writes in 1 Peter 3, of the hope that you possess. You can share what's different in your life. Not just that you like had a really good breakfast and you slept well last night, but, but there's like something different at the core of who you are. It's not just your, your, your diet. It's not just your exercise routine. It's that you have the creator of the universe working in you, through you. That you have the 
power and authority that spoke everything into existence, that, that called the dead out of the grave, that you have that power, that presence living within you. There's something different. My prayer is that this week, God would bring someone into your path that you can share of the hope that you possess. Not as like an awkward Christian, like, um, let me open up the Bible and read to you real fast. Not that. Just share your life. That's all Peter talks about. And what we read today in Revelation is scary, but you know what? None of us have to experience it. And you know what? We get to take others with us. We get to share of the hope that others don't have to experience it. Because God warned us not so that we have to go down this dark, horrible, depressing path, but so that we could be warned to make things right. And as we go, be prepared to leave. I want to pray. I want to pray over you that God would give you boldness and courage and most importantly, opportunity to share of the hope that you possess. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for those that are gathered here and those watching online. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you'd begin to release your power and your authority, that you would give them boldness and courage in every person. God, to step out of their comfort zone, to be willing, Lord, to walk through doors that you open to share of this incredible hope that we possess. Lord, not just a hope about a, a good deal at a store or, 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 or things are improving with a pandemic, but Lord, a hope that could change the world. God, give us opportunity this week. Open the doors, I pray. Give us the courage to walk through those doors. God, that we could share of this blessed hope that we possess. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in our world. God, even in the midst of turmoil and devastation, even in the midst of, of, of dark times, Lord, that you are still working, that your light is still shining even clearer in the midst of darkness. Use us, Lord, to be that beacon of hope and of light in our world. Give us opportunity and courage. God, bless us. Bless the dads today on Father's Day, Lord. Let it be a day, Lord, of, of, of uh, appreciating the men that have shaped us into the people we are today. God, go with us and strengthen us. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Pastor Nick Pohl, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.